How's everybody doing? Welcome back to another episode of Boys in the Zone. We have a special guest, the host of Carving It Up. Um, if you are not aware, I am part of the Grid Network now. I don't have the cool hat like Bryson there, but hey, man, I'm going to get one soon. Uh, honored to have you, Bryson. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, EJ. Great to be on the show. I've been following you for a while on, on Twitter and on YouTube and social media. Very, very excited to have you as a part of the Grid Network. Congratulations. And uh, excited to talk some football. Absolutely, man. Well, we, I mean, this is a Cowboys podcast. We got to start off with the Cowboys versus the Lions. It was the first game of, well, I guess not first game, second game of the week because you got that Thursday nighter. But uh, it felt like the first game, you know. Um, just, just talk about the highlights of that game, what you felt about the Cowboys defense, Cowboys offense. Um, and do you think that this team is a serious contender moving forward? Well, Dallas was actually, before the season, they were my preseason pick to win the NFC. So I've always had confidence in their, abil okay. confidence in their ability to, to go on a long postseason run. And, you know, I, I think this was kind of a, this was sort of a fork in the road moment for them because I, I did a, a segment a couple, or last week going into this game, talking about how only two Super Bowl champions in the history of the NFL had lost three straight games in December or January and went on to win the Super Bowl. And I think six all time had lost three straight in the regular season at all and won the Super Bowl. So you don't want to, you, you always say Tom Landry's talk about playing your best football goes straight into the postseason mm. obviously Dallas coming off those two losses to Buffalo Miami this was kind of a must-win type of situation especially too at the NFC East on the line and I know we'll, we'll touch on Philadelphia later but you know it goes to show you how massive that win was now Dallas in it with a chance to get the two seed I was I thought it was going to be a much higher scoring game uh, than it was I thought Dak would, was going to play uh, outstanding against this Lions secondary and by and large he played very well yeah. but uh, likewise I thought Detroit's running game with with Jameer Gibbs with uh, with Montgomery was going to kind of run up and down the field on Dallas because they've really struggled to stop the run this year I actually thought, listen, the stat sheet says Detroit ran for 120-something yards. Uh, Dallas, by and large, did a good job, especially in like these third and short situations. Yes. Demarcus Lawrence might have been the best player uh, on the field defensively for Dallas uh, the other night. So I thought it was a very impressive performance defensively, aside from that final drive. Uh, as for Dallas, uh, I have concerns clock management-wise, and I have a concern, you know, we, we can we can get into this. I have a little bit of a concern on whether or not there's there's too much of a CD Lamb reliance uh, with this team. Mm. Uh, Michael Gallup has struggled with injuries in the past. I don't think Brandon Cooks is much as much of a two as is being made out i think he's 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 like in in the 80s in terms of catches or or, or yards or something in that in that regard jalen tolbert so uh they feel a bit cd to cd lamb reliant which listen cd's a fantastic player he had over 200 yards receiving but i thought it was an impressive game for dallas uh defensively outside of that last drive uh offensively they made the plays they had to dak led the go-ahead drive in the fourth quarter so by and large, listen, you'll take whatever win you can get. Ugly, pretty, doesn't matter. As long as you can get the W's uh, in December, Dallas should feel really good about themselves. Chance to beat Washington, go in the postseason feeling uh, like they got a shot to, to finally break through in the NFC. Yeah, no, and, and you bring up a good point with Brandon Cooks and, and CD. When, when Brandon Cooks has more than 20 yards, that's it, 20 yards, they're 10-0. and 0. Wow. And uh, they would be 11-0 if he would have played the Jets game. He missed that game. But every time he's been held under 20 yards, we've lost. So you do make a really good point about getting him involved more. And yes, perhaps we are a little bit too CD Lamb reliant, but uh, you know that's that's a a good thing when you go away from CD in the Miami game, and that probably costs you that game. So you know if they're not if they're not going to stop it or they're not going to change what they're doing to stop him, you got to keep on force feeding him the ball because he is that dynamic playmaker. Um, out wide in the slot, wherever you want to put him, even in the backfield. We saw some uh, runs for CeeDee Lamb this year as well. I think he has three touchdown runs on the season. So um, he's just a weapon by and large. So really excited to see 
um, him continue to grow and, and get that contract and, and Dak as well. And those two just continue to get better and better. I think that they're one of the um, underrated duos in the NFL as far as wide receiver quarterback combo. Um, but man, it, it's exciting to see those guys. Um, Cowboys can fan is in the chat. Got to shout out them. Uh, great, great show. Um, they're also part of the grid network. And so um, I had, or I was on their show uh, last week and then, yeah, um, uh, they were on my show, I think two weeks ago. So um, yeah, really great guys. Um, <clears throat> you brought up the clock management things with Mike McCarthy. I thought that he used a senseless timeout late on the two point conversion. He calls a timeout right before that you had two timeouts as the Cowboys. If they get that two point conversion, you have to march the field. Now you have a really good uh, uh, field goal kicker. I would consider him the best in the NFL this season. Um, but man, it would be great to go into that scenario if they do get it in for the two with two timeouts instead of the one with 23 seconds left. How did you feel about that? And, and is that a, a big concern going into the playoffs? I think that's the one deficiency with McCarthy, who I, th I think by and large, I I've been a big McCarthy supporter this year. I think he he's a big reason not to take credit away from Dak. And anybody who's followed my show knows I'm the biggest Dak Prescott fan supporter out there. I mean, I, I wear a freaking hat that literally says Dak. I mean, he he's he's my mm -hmm. guy. But uh, I, I think McCarthy deserves a ton of credit for his his uh, his development, his growth. That said, the clock management thing has been a little bit of a concern. How the playoff game has playoff games against San Francisco have ended the last two years, uh, especially the first time around with the quarterback draw. Um, I think the possession beforehand, before that two point conversion, I agree with you, using the timeout there made no sense because you know, it's in 23 seconds. You have CeeDee Lamb, Dak, you need what 30 yards to get in the field goal range. That's doable mm -hmm. in that amount of time. It's going to be harder if you don't have that extra opportunity uh, to stop the clock. And it opens up more what you could do offensively as well. But I thought that drive before that, after Jordan uh, Lewis got the pick with two mm. minutes to go, I and I remember tweeting during this game, I was fine given how poorly Dallas had run the ball this game and really all season long is the fact that they went away from the run game. My yeah. thing is, you know, Kyle Shanahan, if the run game's not working, what's he going to do? He's going to get a touch to Debo Samuel. You could run reverse with CeeDee Lamb. You could throw a screen to Brandon Cook. Just make sure you get a high percentage completion in the field of play. Yes. And uh, that there was an odd the, – the, the shot – and Dak deserves some blame for this. The shot downfield, I think I think it was, was to Cook, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. It was, was strange at best. <laughs> uh, you know, gave Detroit an extra 40 seconds, which could have cost the Cowboys a game had Detroit converted that two-point conversion. So, if there's – there's plenty of ways the Cowboys season could end, as is the case with any team. Uh, but if it, if it comes down to a Mike McCarthy clock, man clock management blunder, I don't think any of us would be just shocked. Uh, and and that's that's something they'll have to overcome. That's something that's plagued him even going back to his days in Green Bay. And you know whether or not they're able they're able to overcome that situation remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, and that's and not to shift too much. But Dan Quinn, you you, you alluded to it before we got on about his you know him playing sort of like a prevent defense, kind of like a soft man. I thought just by and large, offensively and defensively, Dallas didn't execute terribly well down the stretch. And yeah. you're gonna have to come January in the postseason to get these great Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, those final two drives for both the offense and defense were worrisome. I completely agree. And just going back to that, they have the phantom uh, tripping call on Peyton Hendershot, which uh, pushes them back. I think it's first and twenty-five. Then. I don't have a problem with the first pass, and it goes complete to CD, um, which puts you in, I think, like second and 13. But then to take that shot play, like you mentioned, and it goes out of bounds, you have to have this the the uh, the, the play IQ as Dak Prescott to know, hey, I can take a sack here if it's by the line of scrimmage, or I can get a, a um, an easy completion to my running back out of the backfield in the flats, but I cannot throw this out of bounds, and I got to keep it, you know, in play. If I don't have a pass, I got to just take the sack, unfortunately, to keep the clock rolling. 
Um, and, and we've seen that uh, a couple different times from Mike McCarthy, actually, throughout the season. So it's not just this time, and it, and it was really a big question previous years. It's been a little bit better this year. Um, but in those close games, man, I'll tell you what, the only other game that we've won that's been you know, close relatively uh, was that Chargers game. And the Chargers have so many yeah. problems themselves in the coaching department. So um, it's one of those things. you got to get it figured out. Um, and like you said, you know, you're going to be playing better teams, uh, more disciplined teams that don't get all the penalties that like your team does. So, um, you know, you got a good win at home on the Jimmy Johnson ring of honor night, which is great for him. Uh, proud to see that guy go in, but man, it was by, it was by the, uh, you know, seat of your pants, whatever the saying is, you know, sure. Um, got to shout out, uh, Barry Grant Jr. of the all even podcast in here, too. uh, grid boy salute. Um, yeah, I think that we got to talk on CD lamb a little bit because, you know, you talked about them force feeding him, but he breaks the, the, uh, franchise all time, um, yards record and reception records for the season. And he did it in the 16 games before the 17th game was added. So, um, talk about him. Is he elite? I know that there's a lot of questions about him. And, uh, to me, I think that this guy is one of the top three receivers in the league, but I'm, I'm interested to hear what you got to say, Bryson. Well, I completely agree. He's a top three receiver. Anybody who says he's not elite, I I, I need to I, I need to see what their definition of elite is because he fits every every, every Billy. Obviously, you mentioned him breaking uh, two Cowboys single season franchise records, both held uh, by the great Michael Irvin. And listen, his his ability to his route running has improved tremendously over the last uh, few years ever since he came in the NFL. He's always been going back to his days in Oklahoma, a great uh, run after catch guy. He doesn't, you know, you look at a dude his size, he's not scared of contact. He can break tackles from time to time and he can turn on the Jets uh, when necessary. Again, I mentioned Debo Samuel earlier. There's some stylistic uh, similarities. Mm. Like CD is a little bit better route running than Debo. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a deep ball route. Like he, he, he has the entire package when it comes to being a great wide receiver in this league, and, and he's obviously very smart. Uh, and, and I think I, after the Miami game, I know there was some discussion <laughs> because that, that same day, Amari Cooper went off for like 250 yards or something with the Browns, and there was discussion, hey, man, because could the Cowboys have kept Amari Cooper? And and my my yeah. takeaway was, sure, but what C.D. Lamb have, have developed into the guy he is, sort of the necessity to have to be that number one guy, uh, I'm not quite sure you would have gotten the same dude. And and CD, with respect to Mark Cooper, CD is far more consistent. Uh, yeah. You mentioned his connection with Dak or it being underrated. I think it's the best connection in the NFL. It, it seems mm. automatic. If it's four to eighty-eight, it's going to be caught every single time. And and, and those two guys are, are going to have to be, have to be the guys to to get this team over the top. That we've seen them connect against some of the best defenses uh, in football and. You know, if they're able to maintain that hot streak, again, we know the chemistry they have. And and how CD, like any great receiver, opens it up for guys like Cooks, for Jake Ferguson, for uh, for Tolbert, Gallup, and company is is massive, given the fact that I think the Cowboys are a touch thin at wide receiver outside of CD Lamb. Uh, that That is going to be key for them. But I, I think he's absolutely – I the only guys I – the only guy to 100% put over CD Lamb is Tyreek Hill because I think he's just a game-breaker. Yeah. Uh, and I with respect to, to CD, I think what Justin Jefferson has shown since he came in the league, you can argue Justin Jefferson is probably – above him mm-hmm. also that you're 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 you can argue aj brown i know the stats aren't there with this other guy but Devonte adams potentially if he has good quarterback play jamar uh, chase man, what, is up there i think but, jamar chase absolutely uh yeah. but what this what this kid is has developed into is nothing short of spectacular yeah no i completely agree and it's funny because um a lot of people whenever whenever the cowboys made that draft pick they they didn't see it as a necessity. They kind of just saw it as a want because we did have Michael Gallup. We did have Amari Cooper at that time, and and that was po or a, a pre injury Michael Gallup that was going for a thousand yards. So, um, 
you know, what what has happened and transpired with the Michael Gallup injury is it's it's his own topic, but um and Amari Cooper to that fact and trading him away for a fifth rounder, but man, just the development of this kid, he's gotten better and better and better each and every single year. I think that this is the fourth straight year he's gonna improve on his yards per game by wow. ten plus yards each of his four seasons. So um can't speak how highly I think of C D enough. And this offense to give credit to Mike McCarthy again because before the bye, it was looking very stagnant. We weren't getting a lot of production from our wide receivers. We were trying to be too run heavy. We didn't use enough motion. And now they've figured out to culminate all of those things and make them work together. Now the running game, we got to get to that because the Dallas run game is is worrisome to me. I think it's probably my biggest worry going into the playoffs because you talk about playoff football, you want to be able to have that run game. So in case you do get up, you can drain the clock and you can really milk it and uh, force other teams into having to play hurry up ball and and chase points quickly because they know that their time of possession isn't going to be as much as yours. So are you worried about that? Do you see it getting better magically overnight? Yes, they did sign Leal Collins, just a former offensive tackle for the Cowboys today, but he's more of practice squad right now. So interested to hear what you got to say about that. Yeah, I think when you've struggled in the running game since week one, we're now at January 2nd going into the final week of the regular season. You kind of are what you are by this point, uh, unless you were to make some some massive uh, change at that position. Obviously, I think we'll we'll discuss that later. But, uh, you know, it's that's that's part of what made them so dominant in 2016 is obviously Dak was not near the quarterback then as he is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be able to rely on Zeke and that awesome offensive line to be able to drain the clock, as you mentioned, uh, against teams like, like San Francisco, like Philadelphia, Detroit, et cetera, the Rams as well. Uh, and, and what, listen, what you saw on Saturday was kind of the Dallas nightmare scenario because of they, they don't have any running game. Uh, and I, I saw this stat the other day that was that was pretty mind blowing. I read on my show was the fact that um, uh, you know Mike McCarthy is, and this is sort of my 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 big criticism of him is that he talks he talked about when he got hired. I'm Mr. Analytics guy. Well, the analytics <laughs> yeah, said yeah. on first down you, you ran the ball 12 times, you got 1.7 yards of carry. When you threw the ball, Dak was 12 for 12. So like it's <clears> and he, he gets set up in these second and two situations instead of having to play behind the sticks uh, yeah. from time to time and, and and that that could be a concern. So, yeah, offensively that is my biggest concern uh, for the Cowboys. I think I don't think Tony Pollard and we we knew this going in was 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 not much of a power back. Uh, I now have concerns about whether or not he's a number 1 back in general and I honestly didn't think that or, or I didn't I thought he was a number one tight back last year that they could use him in sort of like a sort of like a no disrespect but kind of like a poor man's Christian McCaffrey type of role yeah. um and he simply has not been that I think he only has one 100 yard game on the season if I'm not mistaken so uh whether or not they're able yeah. to get that going is uh I, I I don't think they will without some kind of major personnel change I, I know they added uh, Lyle Collins but uh it's if for Dallas offensively it's gonna have to be come down on the shoulders of number four and number 88 yeah yeah, yeah, you got a good point there. Got to shout out uh, Jeff Hollis, who's in the chat. Um, new time listener. I think he's been here the last two shows, so I got. I, I want to shout him out for being consistent and coming back into the show. Um, he says, O-line and running game both need to step up to a higher level, and I think that we're both echoing that. Um, one thing I definitely will say, and, and the Cowboys can fan just brought it up, is Dalvin Cook is on the market now. Are you interested in that? I think that he's more of a, a heavier set back that could be your goal line kind of a back to get you those tough yardage that P- Tony Pollard hasn't been able to get. However, I really don't think it's a running back problem as much. I think it's really just the 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 offensive line not opening up holes consistently and then pair that with Tony Pollard not being, you know, very great in the in the vision department this year. I I just think that he's been lacking 
um, finding the right hole to jump through and, and, and make that hard cut if he doesn't see anything and get upfield quick. And another thing about Tony Pollard is he's searching contact a lot more than he has in the past where he just run past a guy. He's he's trying to be that bruiser guy. Maybe it's because of outside noise saying you can't be this power back, but you know, what made you special is you running by people. So sure. why did you why did you quit that? Um anyways, Dalvin Cook, what would you uh would you be interested in that? Yeah, I, I, well, first of all, with with Pollard, I almost wonder if some of that is a good little bit of the Michael Gallup syndrome at the injury, uh, the ACL last, or no, I'm sorry, the broken leg last year against the Niners doesn't yeah. uh, still factor. So we'll see if he's if he does come back to Dallas next year. He's on the franchise tag. We'll see if he's able to to get back to that guy. But I I, I was a guy who for weeks, and it, it doesn't look like this is going to happen because their season is almost over. But I, I was sort of the, of the mindset that hey, if the Patriots continue to struggle, maybe Zeke asks out. Maybe there was a reunion type of situation mm-hmm. where he could be kind of the Cowboys power back in those short yardage situations or those. <laughs> goal line situations well now you've had an opportunity that kind of opens up for you with Dalvin Cook he hasn't been used uh that much or to be honest that well uh in in New York obviously Brees Hall is the guy there but listen it's, it's not a very good offensive line with the Jets I, I've talked about that all season long we're, we're, we're all aware of that uh and, and the questions with with Nat Hackett as the OC but you put him with Mike McCarthy we know the success even just last year he was he had a very good season uh with mm-hmm. Minnesota uh and, and obviously we know the Vikings have a, a solid interior of their offensive line uh listen Dallas still does have Zach Martin we'll see about the health of of Tyler Smith long term that that's gonna be key for them and be oddish as well in the interior yeah it, listen if you bring in a, a guy like Dalvin Cook obviously Tony Pollard's gonna be a lead back this weekend against against the commanders but kind of ease him into that that number two uh, uh, back role, and maybe he ends up being your power guy in these short yarded situations. Because listen, as, as much as we, as, as as much as people talk about like the brotherly shove and all these quarterback sneaks, these these developed quarterback sneak plays, I, I I'd like for Dak to take as little hits as possible. And if you have to rely on that potentially in these third or fourth and one situations, I know they tried the you know the handoff to Hunter Lipke, and we saw that worked out against yeah. Miami. So like if you if you have that guy, that bruiser, just give the ball off uh, to get up the top or, or get through for a first down. That that'll be really key for them. And and by the way, it'll open up everything else offensively in terms of the passing game. Now the defense has to respect if you can get three four yards of carry. Uh, listen, it's twenty twenty four, but the running game still matters in this league. We see that with San Francisco uh, and Baltimore as as prime examples. So uh, if I were Dallas, I'd go out and get him. I think he'd be a great fit there. But we'll see if they do. Yeah, yeah. Here's a question from Jeff Hollis. Do you guys think that um, they don't use TP in the right way? Too much between the tackles. Thoughts? Um, if I had to answer this, I would say that um, it, it's really it, it's not about using him the right way. I just don't think that he's the same player as he was last year before before the health concerns and the broken leg. I don't know that he really trusted as much his speed. That being um, so, you know, I, we've seen him take uh, uh, runs up the middle uh, uh, in between the tackles and go for sixty yards. Like we've seen that now. He doesn't have the combination of – I think this is the the biggest thing is it's it's less about Tony Pollard and being used the right way. I think it's more about not having the complementary back that wears the defense down and that change of pace because when the linebackers are used to having a guy that, let's say, has 4 or 5 speed meet them in the gaps, they're slower. They can see it. They have more time to process. And then – coincide that with bringing Tony Pollard back in giving him the same exact run and he hits the hole faster their mental process isn't sped up the same way that it was whenever they were seeing Zeke and so that's what helped him spring loose in the past so less about Tony Pollard more about the offensive line opening up those holes and more about not having that complimentary back for me you kind of feel the same yeah I think some of it too is Part of the reason he was so explosive, and I know Dallas slowly kind of made him their number one back last year, at least sort of the 1A back to Zeke as, as time went on, but 
I don't know if physically, especially come off of a broken leg, fresh off of a broken leg, not even a year ago, if he's kind of designed to, if, if he's built to sort of be that 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 guy to get 15 to 20 yard uh, yards of care, or not yards of care, but 15, 20 carries a game. Uh, the, the last, I was just kind of thinking in my head, like when the last like explosive play, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that play against the Chargers where Dak broke outside the pocket, hit Pollard for what was, what was almost a touchdown the fourth quarter of that game. That's the last time I can remember him really breaking off a long run. So, I say that because I th- I think maybe some of this is a wear and tear problem. Uh, you, you know, maybe would you consider? And this is just throwing this out there. Would you consider maybe resting him, having him fresh for the playoffs? Going with with I'm not <clears> sure <throat> what the health of Rico Dowdle is. Obviously, you guys have guys like Deuce Vaughn as well that you could use in CD Lamb too in the running game. Uh, I don't know. That's just a, a suggestion, but I think some of it's the wear and tear. I don't know if he's a guy like certainly Derek Henry sort of the prime example of this to, to be able to sustain all these hits and all this wear and tear over the course of a 17 game season and the playoffs, especially come off a broken leg. Yeah. Well. For me, to answer your question, I think that we got to see where Rico Dowdle is. Um, but to ask like a Deuce Vaughn or a Hunter Lipke, and I know he's a fullback, he has not been in, uh, good in pass protection this year, despite what some people think. He he really hasn't. Um, now, he's been good in his runs and in catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he's been good, and, and minus the fumble, I would like to see more of him. Now, um, he did probably kind of maybe lose us the game against Miami, you know, it, you, sure. you don't want to hinge it upon one play every single time, but um, you score there, you get an extra six points. You know, so it well not an extra six point. I guess that'd be a four point swing, but still more than you would have had. And Miami beat you by two, I think. So it is what it is. Um, and I just I don't see a, a, another back that could kind of fill or on the roster right now that could fill Tony Pollard's role right now. Now get Dalvin Cook. See what I mean? He's he's a pro, pro. He's a veteran, so he probably knows you know basic blitz pickups and understands that stuff. Um, running back is probably the easiest um, take off the street position and, and implement them right away. So you know, it depends on what Dalvin Cook has left in the tank and if he would want to play for you guys. I mean, you guys are contenders, so you got that. Um, but it, it all comes down to how they feel about Tony Pollard. I think he's I think he's healthy. I just don't think that he trusted as much, and I don't think that the O-line is opening those holes. So um, only time will tell. This marks two straight weeks of the Cowboys fumbling it at the goal line, though. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to win in the playoffs if you're turning the ball over. Uh, CD has the fumble. Dak has the interception. Now, on the Dak interception, I thought that he thought that um, Hutchinson jumped over the line, yep. and thus he was just like 50-50 ball. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the shot to my best player, and so you saying that you agree with me? Um, I you know I don't have a problem with that because literally it was like a carbon copy of what Hutchinson did and what Michael Parsons did on the two point conversion. They called it against Michael Parsons. They did it against Hutchinson. The result of those things is five yard penalty one way, an interception, and a turnover the other way. Um, the refing, the officiating has been questionable all season, regardless of Cowboys games, regardless of whatever game it is, it's been questionable all season. How concerned are you about that stuff going into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, obviously the NFL is going to try and minimize that as much as possible. They always, of course, put their best officiating crews out for these games. And I mean, listen, last year, I know we had the, the call at the end with Philadelphia, Kansas City. I still maintain that it was, again, watch the replay. It's textbook holding. Bradbury grabs Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. But I say that because by and large, <laughs> you think about these last, 
few Super Bowls, I mean, how many like truly awful calls do you remember? Like, man, that's just a terrible call in that spot. And we've had a lot of close games. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking right now, like not not many. And so, like, obviously, Brad Allen's crew who did the Cowboys-Lions uh, game, they also did the Kansas City and Green Bay game where there was the blatant pass interference mm-hmm. on, on MVS. They didn't call that, but potentially could have impacted the game in, in a positive way for the Chiefs. They also did a game uh, on, on primetime with the Dolphins and the Eagles where Miami was called for 11 penalties, Philadelphia wasn't called for any. Uh, and, and so that's a concern as well. And obviously, again, I'm a Steelers fan. They're doing uh, the Steelers-Ravens game on Saturday. So a li- li- little nervous, a <laughs> little concerned there, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think Adam Schefter reported they're likely not to do any any games in the playoffs. So, uh, listen, I'm not sure how you fix it. Again, you, you are 100% right. Uh, officiating has been a little bit of a question uh, mark for the NFL this season. But, uh, listen, in these playoff games, you try and, and minimize that as much as possible. You, you let the players determine it unless it's just blatant and obvious. And uh, I, I don't think it will be as much of a story as we get towards, especially towards conference title games and Super Bowls uh, as, as as it is in Week 18 because the NFL is going to try and put the, the best crews they possibly can out there. So, uh, to answer your question, long story short, I think it will – Listen, there's there's going to be multiple playoff games. You're going to have questionable calls. It, it's it, yeah, it's yeah. going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be just egregious and literally determine the outcome of games. I, I don't think that's going to occur. Maybe Would I'm you, being optimistic. Are we'll you see. like, do you err on more of like the, I like the officiating that lets the guys play a little bit more in the playoffs, a little bit more handsy. You got to be a little bit more physical or do you like, hey, that's a holding. You got to call it. That's written in the textbook. How do you kind of err on which side? To the playoffs, yeah, I'm at I'm more. I'm. I'm kind of in the middle. Like I think, obviously, I'm with you. We we all as fans, players, coaches, everybody wants the players to to decide the game. My criticism of officials, and we saw this. You you sort of alluded to it with the Micah Parsons and Aiden Hutchinson thing. Is however you call it, whether you call it tight, whether you kind of let the players determine it, mm-hmm. just be consistent. Just be consistent with both sides. I think the whether or not we like the calls or not, the, the fans can say, hey, I mean, they call it for the other side. So I mean, it's not like we can, you know, the the other fan base would have every right to get mad if if, if they were to to change the how they how they do things. But I've always had a rule, whether it's football, basketball, any sport, like last five minutes, uh, unless it is absolutely obvious, blatant, it's like you, you can't ignore it. It has to be, again, like Saints, Rams, pass interference. Yeah. Like if it's something like that, yeah. uh, you have to throw the flag. You have to call a penalty. Outside of that, man, it's going to be physical. These guys are desperate. They want to advance. Uh, just let, 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 let the players determine the game. But my criticism is not as about that as much as it is. Just be consistent on, on what you're doing. Uh, if you're calling it tight, then call it tight the whole game for all 60 minutes. And the same as if you're calling it loose. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, let's let's just jump into the uh, elephant in the room with the two point conversion thing. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because everybody and their brother has talked about it. Um, but do you kind of? I guess the question really is: Do you feel like the official lied after the game and said, "No, no, no, sixty eight never did. It was seventy that came over there and 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 uh, uh, what did he uh, um, help me out here, Bryson Skipper uh, number seventy? He, uh, you know, as an eligible receiver, um, yeah. he made himself or uh, made it known that he was going to be eligible. Um, do you kind of feel like the, the Lions are telling the truth, the, the offici- uh, you know, officiating crew? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think there are there, there's some video angles that look like they probably told Brad Allen. But at that point, like he had his back turned to play like he was ready to go. So I, I, I think a lot of this is and, and I've been a Detroit Lions supporter all season long. Before the year, I actually predicted them to lose to Dallas in the NFC title game. Like I thought I thought that highly of them mm-hmm. uh, coming into the season. I still think they, they've had a, a remarkable year and are, are very well coached. Um, I think it was 
they weren't trying to, obviously they weren't trying to fool the officials, but in trying to fool Dallas, they actually kind of fooled the officials a little bit. Was it the wrong call? Did he report as eligible? eligible? Technically, yes. But in that, you wanted to be subtle about it because, uh, you know, you, you obviously the PA announcer is going to announce it. Number of whatever is reported as eligible. And now it kind of tips the defense off to, okay, something's probably coming. We're going to see what they're, what they're trying to roll yeah. out here. And so, again, if you're trying to be subtle about it, like it's, don't be shocked. It's, it's sort of the old saying, if you give, if you get the officials a reason to throw a flag, don't be mad if they do throw the flag. And, and they sort of did that to a certain degree. I know it's a little bit ticky-tack uh, in terms of uh, – but listen, I, I as poorly officiated as the game was, I'll take a man at his word if you didn't hear the guy uh, say it. Listen, it's loud in Dallas. They're all you know trying to uh, get into the Lions' head for the two-point conversion. My, yeah. my biggest issue, though, was that – and I love Dan Campbell. I, I I love his aggressiveness. He had the fake punt in that game with a, basically a linebacker throwing a pass. Like that's that's why we love all love Dan Campbell. Mm. Why he went for two from the seven is beyond me. Like at that point, it's okay. The two point conversion yeah. didn't work. That's your best play. Kick the extra point going to overtime. I actually think Detroit might have had kind of the momentum on their side because of Dallas's blown clock management. <clears> the Lions <throat> finally breaking through and getting a touchdown there. Uh, I I was I, I did not get that. And now they got bailed out by the Micah Parsons offsides, but they didn't convert uh, in the end. That was that was odd at best. I think that was Dan Campbell being kind of defiant, saying, come hell or high water, we are going for two. And But the fact of the matter is when when new information presents itself, when the, the situation changes, you got to adjust on the fly. Yeah. And Detroit's done that very well this season. They just didn't do it there. So, But if they kick the extra point, we might have, be having a very different conversation today about Detroit and Dallas, for that matter. And you know, the Lions would actually still be alive for the one seed. So did the officials make a mistake? Yes. Not without the assistance of the Lions. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think the the all twenty two view shows exactly what you're saying. Dan Skipper runs in at late, and then the uh, ref I think really just assumed it was Dan Skipper because he has been reporting eligible all game. Goes sure. straight over to the the line uh, the um, not Lions Cowboys uh, linebacker and says, um, "Hey, number seventy's eligible." Runs back. Then they go on to the, uh, the the PA system or whatever, the, the loudspeakers, and says number 70 is reporting eligible, which, you know, that's that's one thing in itself is that the Cowboys aren't ever looking for number 68 anyways because he's ineligible according to what the ref says. So sure. who's, who's to say he wasn't going to be covered if, if it was all went, you know, the way it's supposed to, you know? So because they did attribute for number 70, but he just stuck in there in a the block. So... It's it's one of those things, you know. Um, you got the phantom tripping on the other side. I don't think that it's um, it's one of those things. Oh, Jerry paid the officials. Like, if you guys yeah. honestly play into that whole, you know, it's fixed. Don't you think that the biggest market in the NFL would happen to make a Super Bowl in the last however many years of it's course. been? Of you course. know what I mean? So it's 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 crazy that people actually believe that stuff. Um. You know, it's you know, no, no, not to not to cut you off, but to use a baseball example. You don't think the Yankees would have won more recently than 2009? Like it's yeah, yeah I, I'm 100 with you. Yeah, so it, it's yeah. Anyways, jumping into that Philadelphia game against the Cardinals, um, you know, I I wasn't holding my breath early on in that game, especially after the uh, Kyler Murray uh, interception, 99 yard interception return for the touchdown. I think they went up at that point 14 to three. Uh, 14-0 or something like that, and um, <clears throat> then they continued to climb in the in the second half. I think by halftime it was 21 to was it six maybe I don't know something six. like that. Um, so you know I was like okay that that dream's probably dead, but man the Cardinals didn't they didn't hesitate to go back to the run as soon as they came out from halftime. 
continued all down the field that entire second half, scoring touchdown after touchdown, relying on James Conner to make big plays. And, man, he did. And and I'll tell you, some of their, um, you know, wide receivers, I've never even heard of them. Greg Dortch, obviously I knew he Wilson from the draft. Um, but man, some, they don't have Hollywood Brown and they, and they still put together a really, really good game offensively and defensively. Sure. You know, they, they gave up, um, 30 points. I mean, granted they had the interception that, that gave them seven points for Philly, but, um, their defense held whenever they needed it, them to most, um, you can look at their head coach and going for that onside kick, um, that, you know, uh, there's like five minutes left that shrunk the field for Philly I thought that was it. a very smart call. Yeah, I mean, that just... I, that's thinking ahead. That's that's really, really good game management right there. Yeah, Jonathan Gannon, for all of the, the crap he got in Philadelphia as the D.C., he comes back into that house and gets the dub and helps Cowboys uh, Nation uh, in, in the same night. So, man, I, I loved that. That puts the Cowboys at the two seed right now. All they have to do is win against Washington, and it seems like Washington probably wants to lose as they have the second pick in the draft currently. Um, what is your um, broad overlook on that game and uh, then moving into the Washington game next week? Yeah, on Friday's um, last Friday's show, I picked the Cardinals to win the game uh, because I, I, I thought Philadelphia's defense, I, I don't think I know, I, we all know Philadelphia's defense yeah. is nothing short of atrocious. Uh, they're 23rd in, in general. I think they're 28th in terms of uh, uh, pass, uh, they're the 28th pass defense, ranked pass defense in the NFL. They're in the bottom five in terms of third down defense, red zone defense. They've been bad all season. They try to make a coordinator change, essentially coordinator change, bringing uh, Matt Patricia in. And, and it's, even when it was 21 to six, I, the audience may not believe me and that's fine. I swear to you, man, I'm think I, I I thought the Cardinals were going to win the game because the simple fact that it was like Arizona. It's not like one one like it was twenty one to six and the Cardinals can't move the ball. Every single drive for the Cardinals, including the second half, every single drive except for the end of the half ended in Philadelphia territory. And then you know the uh, the second half touchdown 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 touchdown. Like they mm-hmm. they moved the ball with ease. They ran the ball for two hundred yards. Uh, Philly's uh, rush defense has actually been kind of the, the bright spot because they have a great interior defensive line. But even in that respect, James Conner went off in this game. And listen, when when you're not able to stop the run, especially Gets a, a, a bad Cardinals team, a frisky Cardinals team, a Cardinals team that'll play you type, but still they're, they, they've only won four games this year. Uh, that's that's gonna be a problem. And, and against the pass, you mentioned it. No Hollywood Brown, by the way, Kyler was under the weather throughout the week, missing practice, and still came in, probably not feeling a thousand percent and played the yeah. way he did. Uh, I, I this Philadelphia Eagles team has all the makings. We always have that one team every year. Sometimes they win the division, sometimes, sometimes they don't. They have a good record. See the 2020 Steelers or the 21 Cardinals or the 2022 Vikings, where they have this one big time deficiency that we all kind of know is going to cost in the playoffs for Philadelphia. Uh, it's defensively. I would not be shocked if Baker and the Bucks, Buccaneers eliminate them in round one, honest to God. Mm. Um, I don't think this is a team is a contender. I don't think they've been a contender for weeks now. And l- listen, and I defended them when they were winning these close games. Were they getting lucky? Sure. But Hey, Dallas got a little lucky like that. That happens. I'll, I'll yeah. defend you there. Um, but listen, when you are struggling that bad on that side of the ball and, and offensively, AJ Brown's frustrated not getting the ball. Jalen Hurts has been up and down. Uh, Nick Sirianni seems to be in panic mode. This, this, I don't think this is one of the ten best teams in football right now. Honestly, I don't, uh, and I don't think this team is a Super Bowl contender mm. Mm. at all. Lay it on us. Um, yeah, I think that overall, what Arizona has done against some really good teams—they beat Dallas, they beat Philadelphia, um, and Pittsburgh. You know, my Steelers—they beat us. They beat in, Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. Really, I was about to say they beat another like decently good team. So yeah. yeah. 
you know, I think that they're building a, a, a sneaky good team in the future. If they hang on to uh, Kyler Murray and they draft a Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft, build up their defense, man, they could be an actually pretty good team next year. So um, interesting to see where they're going and uh, continue to go. Now, I will say uh, uh, Washington, obviously division foes, never want to just roll over and allow somebody to beat them in their house especially but they do, you know, like players aren't going to want to tank, but, you know, they have incentive to tank because sure. um, that two seed is very realistic that you could lose that. <clears throat> and uh, you want to get one of those guys um, high in the draft, a, a May, a, a Caleb Williams, a Michael Penix with the game he had last night. Like one of those quarterbacks can really push you into, um, you know, being competitive in this division, which you haven't been competitive since you won the division last time at like nine and seven. So um, realistically, I, I think that this is a game that Dallas feels good about going into. And maybe, um, you know, they, they're whispering in their guys' ears like, hey, maybe we might be able to rest you as long as we build that lead up early on this game. Um, I'm expecting, you know, uh, uh, 30 points probably from Dallas, but Washington's not going to completely roll over is what I'm expecting. How do you see that going? Yeah, I mean, especially in the NFL, gosh, this had to be a decade plus ago where they changed it to uh, all divisional games in, in the final week of the season, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. uh, and listen, this is likely Ron Rivera's last game as the commander's head coach. Like you said, they have incentive to tank. But at the end of the day, this is a division rivalry, Washington-Dallas. They go back decades. And look, you, you do want to play spoiler. Like, I mean, they played San Francisco pretty tight last week in the first half. And then the Niners, yeah. obviously, because of the massive talent advantage, pulled away and the massive coaching advantage. But listen, this is a – we remember last year, week 18, <clears> when <throat> the Cowboys still had a chance. They didn't control their destiny, but a chance to still uh, get the division. And Dak laid an egg. The defense was bad. The special teams was bad. So uh, so maybe that's a little bit of an advantage for Dallas because they kind of have that in their head to not repeat. Uh, Washington's been an awful defense all year. I think they're still bottom of the NFL in scoring defense. They're not good against the pass. So uh, I have no reason to believe Dallas will lose this game. But nonetheless, if if it's if it's tight in the first quarter, maybe if Washington even has a lead early on, I wouldn't be shocked because these divisional games, man, you you, you always know you, you, these either you're familiar with one another, you're not fooling anybody. Oftentimes, it's the talent and the coaching that wins out. So Dallas should feel good in that regard, but uh, I do not think the Commanders are just going to openly just just throw this game and say, "Ah, oh, yeah. let's worry about next year." Because the fact of the matter is, Ron Rivera is probably not going to be there next year. Some of those players aren't going to be there next year. So if they can go out and screw up Dallas's season and maybe put themselves in a position to to further their careers, they're, they're not going to miss that opportunity. Yeah. And I mean, Sam Howell has every bit of reason to go out there and play the best that he can because he Absolutely. really is probably playing for his job. If they want to go and draft one of those uh, uh, quarterbacks that I mentioned early in the draft, what does that do for him? How does he feel knowing that he actually had a pretty good season under Eric Bieniemy? He just got to cut down on the, um, you know, holding the ball too long and, and the interceptions. Um, so we'll see, man. Um, Cowboys can fan is uh, if Dallas loses this game, they have no business being contenders in the postseason. I completely Agreed. agree. Uh, Vinny says, what's up? Official Manny B in the building. What's up, man? Um, let's bring up these uh, playoffs. Um, you know, the the uh, percentage possibility that these teams make it. So currently we got um, L.A. in the sixth seed. We've got Green Bay in the seventh seed. We got Seahawks, uh, Saints, and the Falcons all in the chase. Now, the Falcons, they have to win their division in order to get in. Uh, the Saints, they... Oh, let me move that back. Uh, uh, the Saints, they have... Oh, I guess can earn once... Oh, no, no, no. 
I believe that they can make it in as a wild card, but both LA and Green Bay have to lose in order for that to happen, and they have to win. Um, I think actually they have to have the Seahawks uh, lose as well. Yeah. Um, so all three of those teams have to to lose in order for them to get in. Um, and obviously LA is the one they're facing the Niners. <clears throat> so you know that's depending on if the Niners rest their players. Um, they could very well lose. Green Bay is playing the Bears. The Bears have been pretty frisky as of late. Uh, Justin Fields, another quarterback that's probably playing for his job. Um, you know, who knows what the, what the Bears want to do uh, moving forward with him. Um, so neither of those teams have an easy week. Uh, the Seahawks, I think, play the Cardinals. Um, yep. Obviously, the Cardinals just knocked off the Eagles. We will see Kyler Murray possibly playing for his job as well. So... Um, which of these teams, I guess that's the second question, rank these teams one to five on who you would want to play the most as the Dallas Cowboys, um, which would mean they'd have to be the seventh seed, and we'll take this off and pull you back up here. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it would be the only way they play Atlanta is if Atlanta wins the division and Dallas uh, ends up blowing it in the end. Uh, so I'd, I'd probably say Atlanta first. Uh, obviously the Falcons have been a roller coaster this year at the quarterback position, and and I like their defense, Spijan Robinson, but I, I thought one of the quotes of the year, I, I don't know if it's from Bill Barnwell of ESPN or somebody else, I wish I could give credit to who wrote this because it's great. Uh, it hit me too because I'm a Warriors fan is somebody said the Falcons not using B. John Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts is like the 2016 Warriors going to Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili instead of the Splash Brothers, instead of Steph and Clay. Like it's, and I'm like, yeah. that's, that, that's a good analogy. They don't use their playmakers very well. So I would say Atlanta would be the one I, I'd most want to play if I were Dallas. I would say Green Bay second. Now, I know Green Bay's humming offensively. Jordan Love's actually had a pretty darn good year. I think I've uh, un undersold him coming in. But I have concerns about their defense. This pass game notwithstanding, their defense has struggled uh, badly as of late. Uh, and listen, Green Bay is a very young football team. Uh, the, the receivers yeah. are young, quarterbacks young, no experience. And frankly, I don't really trust Matt Lafleur that much in in the postseason. So I'd probably say Green Bay second. I'd say the Saints third because I don't trust Dennis Allen whatsoever. Uh, I think New Orleans has some really good players defensively and offensively. But uh, in terms of the play calling, in terms of Dennis Allen's game plans, I don't think they can make that that big of a run at all. Uh, gosh, who's left? So that leaves the Rams, the Seahawks. So I'd say the Seahawks uh, would be fourth uh, because I think, listen, Dallas was in a dogfight with Seattle Thursday after Thanksgiving, and, and, and fortunately for them, we're able to pull it out at the end. But listen, to Pete Carroll coach defense, they'll be ready to go. Uh, Geno Smith, we, we know what he's capable of doing any given Sunday. They have a great receiver trio with Metcalf, Lockett, and, and, and Smith and Jigba with the running game. So Seattle will be a tough matchup that the Dallas can't sleep on them at all. And the one I want to play the least is the Los Angeles Rams, who I think have a legitimate uh, chance and a legitimate uh, uh, argument that they might be the third best team in the conference the way they've been playing. I mean, you think about what the Rams have done the last month and a half, two months. They've lost one game, and that was to the Ravens who kill everybody in overtime. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. you know, but they're, the Rams are playing great football, well coached. So I would say, do go back in that order. The one I, the one I want to play the most from one to five will be Atlanta, Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, well, <clears throat> Los Angeles. I set you up for failure because Atlanta can only be the five seed. Sorry about that. So it should have been no, 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 one through four. It. Yeah. Um, however, I would agree. I think that I might I, I might go Saints over Green Bay um, okay. just because I don't think Derek Carr is good, and I think that Jordan Love is on the ascension. Um, and then I think that Matt LaFleur is a creative offensive coach, so um, he might be able to give your, your defense some fits. Uh, but I don't have worries about Dak uh, against that Green Bay defense just because Barry as the DC is just so, so bad. He doesn't make adjustments, so... Um, I feel good about that. The only, you know, worry would be Jair Alexander on the outside. Um, 
Then uh, uh, out of those two uh, left, L.A. And, and the Seahawks, I think I'd rather play the Seahawks just because I don't think that they could do it the same way that they did it earlier coming into the season um, into, into AT&T Stadium and, and, and repeat that. And they still come up with the L. So, um, you know, I, I, I have full confidence in the Cowboys' offense against Seahawks, and I think that um, that was that defensive performance was a result of the defense playing three games in 12 days or whatever it was whenever they met the Seahawks. So, And then I agree with you. Yeah, L.A. is 100% the most scary team um, in the wildcard round. I Or, yeah, wildcard round. Um, like you said, Baltimore... They uh, now they did just play a uh, eh, kind of a game against the Giants, but I mean, dude, it's it's any week, any Sunday, yep. and I think that they have the most weapons. Puka Nakua, um, when we blew them out at AT and T early in the season, they didn't have Kyron Williams, which is a big factor in what they do um, as a uh, you know pass catcher out of that backfield. And and Matt Stafford has played really good ball as of late. He's not throwing the interceptions that we're accustomed to. And that's kind of scary because he does have that arm that can put it anywhere. You know, before before there was ever Patrick Mahomes and his little sidearms, there was a guy named Matt Stafford. And people and don't no realize too. that. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I definitely, definitely would go with uh, basically what you said. Um, the only the only difference is I would probably put the Saints as my number one most want to see versus Green okay. Bay. Um, uh, uh, not to cut you off real quick. I, I just uh, was thinking in my head, like, to make sure this is true and people can fact check me on this. I'm almost certain since 2017 that the sixth seed has won at least one playoff game every year since that year. Mm. Um, so, like, thankfully, you know, it looks like Dallas is going to get to avoid that. So that's not great news for Detroit, uh, especially with the Rams kind of in there as that sixth seed. But that's it, it kind of fits into what we we're saying. Like, that's the absolute last team you want to face. Like, you've worked so hard all season to be this division champion, and your reward is you get to play a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago with ma- many of their key pieces and coach. So, uh, yeah. like, that's they're a tough matchup, and I, I would not want to seize them. Absolutely. Got to shout my boy Kai out in the chat. What's up, EJ? Ready to get this two seed locked in. Ultra Cowboys in the chat now. Commanders will hold out the players for paper cuts to protect that number two pick. Um, we'll see. You know, I don't think that they're going to hold out Sam Howell, but, you know, who, who knows? Uh, Cowboys Cam fam, be sure to hit that like button. Completely agree. Subscribe if you haven't. Turn on that notification bell to know when I go live each and every single time. And come kick it with us. Um, let's see. Uh, Ultra Cowboys says... It will beat anybody as long as it's at home. And hey, I I like the confidence with that. Jeff Hollis doesn't matter as long as it's at as a at, sorry, tongue twister. As it's a home game, Ram Seahawks most dangerous, but Dallas gives up uh gives us a leg up at home. Uh yeah, I, I agree with everything that the uh the chat's saying right now. Uh second question for you, Bryson. Which of these teams, regardless of them playing the Cowboys or not, that you think has the best chance of moving on to the divisional round. I think that this is the Rams from what you said earlier. Now, I'm going to switch this question around. I'm going to say moving into the NFC Championship game, which of these teams are most likely that they could move into the NFC Championship game and knock off not one, but two higher seeds? Still think it's the Rams. Uh, obviously, uh, against Detroit, we know Detroit's defense has really struggled uh, over the past three months. I think Baltimore, way back in October, <clears throat> kind of exposed some of their flaws after they gotten off to a pretty good start on that side. But again, Stafford, Puka, uh, Cooper Cup, if healthy, Kyron Williams. Like, they've got plenty of weapons to be able to expose that that Detroit Lions uh, uh, team in defense. And, and listen, the thing is, Detroit has been, by and large, the better team this season. They've been well-coached. Jared Goff's ever had a really good season. But And this stuff matters. And this is why I mentioned you know Green Bay is a team you might want to face just because of inexperiences. The Rams have been there and done that. They're 
they're they're not scared of the big moment. And plus, nobody had that big of that high of expectations for the Rams come this year. So they're kind of playing with house money. They're like, you know, let's see yeah. how far we can push this thing. Very different from their Super Bowl run in 2021, where there was a ton of pressure, uh, particularly on Stafford. So uh, I think they could beat Detroit. And listen, you play San Francisco. I can guarantee this right now, EJ. That's the last team the Niners want to see in the second round. They'd love to see Philadelphia with a bad secondary. Uh, mm-hmm. They would not mind to see a Tampa Bay, who's, again, kind of limited in some aspects of their roster. It's the Rams team, and I get Shanahan has has kind of owned McVay in the uh, in general. Although McVay beat him in the playoffs two years ago, but again, we talked about earlier divisional familiarity. The team is hot. Uh, by the way, the Niners would have had essentially two weeks off, so a little bit of a rust over rest. His situation with the Rams have basically been in the playoffs for for a month now. Uh, that's. I, I can, here. I'll put it this way: the the 49ers will be rooting hard for the Lions in in the first round of the playoffs. I'll put it that way. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think that. The, I if I had my perfect scenario, I'd put the Rams there at the sixth seed, Packers there or Saints there at that seven seed. Cowboys win there. Uh, the Rams have a potential to knock off the um, uh, um, who would they be facing the, the Lions, Detroit. and then the Eagles beat the Bucks. Oh man, or the I mean, if the Bucks beat the Eagles, even better. But I'm just saying, either of those teams coming to AT and T, I would love that. Um, sure. versus facing Detroit in the second round. Um, and then having whoever it is, you know, Bucks or the Eagles going up to San Francisco. Um, you know, I think if if the Cowboys get that exact scenario that I just locked in, I think there's no way that they don't make the NFC Championship game. That's how confident I am um, in e- beating either of those teams. The Rams are really the only team that I'm scared of down there. Um, and then on the record, which two teams do you see making uh, the playoffs out of these five? Are you going with the six and seven seeds right now, or are you going to sneak one of these other guys that are kind of in the hunt right now up? Yeah, obviously the Rams have already clinched the playoff spot, and they're essentially locked into the sixth seed. I don't know how seriously they'll take this Niners game coming up. We'll see, but obviously the Rams are already in. So as far as that seven seed, uh, obviously Atlanta can't get it. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs anyway. You have New Orleans and, and Seattle there. Look, Seattle's got Arizona, which the Cardinals are feeling good about themselves. Seattle's desperate, though. Uh, I could see. I think it's going to come down to those two. I could see a scenario in which you know Green Bay against a hot Chicago team maybe struggles a little bit. Now the game is at Lambeau, which which helps them a great deal. So we'll see there. And obviously Seattle, I think goes to Arizona if I'm not mistaken. So obviously the Packers win, they're in the playoffs. Their their scenario is pretty simple, and Seattle will obviously be rooting for uh, for the Bears to win that game. But I think it's going to come down to those two as as the seventh seed. I don't think the Saints are going to get in. Uh, Atlanta is, is not going to get in either. So I would say either Seattle or Green Bay gets that seventh seed. Yep. I, I think that I'm right there with you, lockstep, and, and exactly what you're saying right there if I had to put it on record. Um, you know, it, it, you know at the start of this season, um, I told Cowboys Nation, just enjoy the ride. Whenever Eagles went jumped to that 10-1 and one, um, record early on the season, I kind of felt down, man. I was like, man, I really thought the Cowboys were going to win this division. Fast forward to now. The turn of events is absolutely crazy. Cowboys have the potential to lock in this second seed with just beating Washington, a team that Dak has been very good against in the past. He's good against any NFC East uh, team, really. But, man, um, I, I wouldn't have believed you if you said, hey, the Cowboys are still going to win the division when Philly was 10-1. and Crazy turn of events. Um, so, you know, don't ever count any of the possibilities out. Uh yep. Everybody says the Cowboys, oh, they don't have the run game. They can't make it. The coaching, uh, Mike McCarthy isn't good in in certain situations. They can't win the Super Bowl. Dak isn't good enough. He's a turnover machine. They've already silenced the haters um, in some respects this year. We've had 
Um, Brandon Aubrey with an NFL record. We've had C.D. Lamb set an NFL record. We've had Deron Blant set an NFL record with the pick sixes this year. We've had so many things happen that is great for this team. Dak Prescott possibly number two in the MVP uh, discussion right now. Do you see the possibility of the Ravens sitting Lamar Jackson or only playing him one quarter and Dak going for four or five touchdowns against Washington? Could he possibly jump Lamar knowing that the get separation of those um, two teams, especially if Baltimore loses somehow, is only one game in the, in the records, and Dax Prescott's stats are that much better than Lamar's. Can he jump ahead of him in the MVP breast, or do you feel kind of like it's you know it's a moot point? It's Lamar's to lose. Yeah, I, I, well, first of all, I, I brought this up earlier. I'm as big of a Dak Prescott fan as anybody. I've loved him since he was at Mississippi State. So uh, all of his NFL success does not surprise me in, in the slightest. I think he's a, a fantastic talent uh, in many respects. And so, so to see what he's doing this year, and I, I was, I'm, I'm sure I was right there with you uh, last year in terms of fighting the whole interception thing. Like, this isn't really who he is. This is an outlier year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember people were even talking about training camp interceptions. Like, guys, you're going to try throws in training camp like that you're not going to try a game. I didn't realize yeah. we were tracking practice picks. I didn't know we were uh, – it's, it's, it's a new thing we're doing now. But the point of all that is Dak has had an absolutely fantastic season. Uh, McCarthy deserves a lot of credit. CD deserves credit. But ultimately, it's Dak kind of refining some of his game, getting back to what he's great at using his legs. Um, and I think he is potentially with the playoff run. I'm serious when I say this. I think it's going to be very hard to argue he's not a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Uh, considering some of the drop-off you've seen from guys like Hertz, Josh Allen's had a little bit of a roller coaster season, Justin Herbert as well. So I think you have it. Trevor Lawrence has kind of dropped as well. So I think that's a, a legitimate conversation. That said, I would be I would be beyond stunned if Dak if Dak throws five touchdowns, even if that happens, if if Lamar loses that MVP. Because the fact of the matter is I take in, not to say Dak is it valuable, because he is incredibly valuable to that to that Cowboys offense. I think that when you consider that word, and I take that into account more than most is the valuable uh, word, is that when you consider what Baltimore's done to these great teams, they absolutely humiliated San Francisco. We knew the Niners could lose. They weren't invincible. I didn't think they could be pushed around. Mm -hmm. Baltimore did, and Lamar Jackson against Hall of Famers was the best player in the field. They humiliated Miami. They humiliated a Cleveland. Like they, They've done this to, to multiple teams uh, all season the long. Lions, so, li they the Lions humiliated the Lions. Detroit. And the Seahawks. Uh, and Seattle, like again, you keep mentioning teams over and over. Like this is this is who they are. They're and again, they're a great football team. Not to make it like Lamar's carrying them, but now that they sort of in a similar fashion to Dak and Dallas, now that they've catered to Lamar's strengths, given him some real legitimate weapons, even without Mark Andrews, he's still doing what he's doing. So I think you have to give it to Lamar. Like that's stats don't always determine who wins MVP. We've had plenty of, of situations where guys have led the league in touchdown passes um, and not won the award. But that said, Dak would be my number two. Um, I think his his value to the Cowboys cannot be understated uh, or can be overstated. And even last year, like I, I was in the minority that's saying that, yeah, the Cooper Rush story is is, is nice, but the, the Cowboys offense with Dak and with Cooper Rush, is it's not even, they, they call the, the game differently in Dallas. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, I would be... Listen, I'd be excited if he won the award, but I would be genuinely shocked if he if he leapfrogged Lamar because I think what Lamar has done, especially without Mark Andrews in the last half of the season, is nothing short of, of spectacular. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, I don't expect uh, Dak to win the award. Um, I posted on Twitter, you know, uh, whatever happens with the MVP race, you know, whatever. Uh, if the Cowboys, or sorry, if, the, if Dak Prescott gets snubbed of an all-pro honor, which only two quarterbacks get... Uh, well, you know, Brock Purdy, he's up there. And if they give he, Lamar yeah, the MVP. Yeah, it's going to be the, those two, though. Yeah. And, man, I don't know. I, they love Josh Allen. They love Brock Purdy. I, it's it's one of those things, man. Who honestly knows? And it, But if he gets snubbed of that all-pro, 
Oh man, I'll be mad. Oh man, I'll be mad because yeah, that'd be crazy. That is the one thing that that I think personally right now the Cowboys are in a great spot as long as they win this weekend to make the NFC Championship game, exercise some demons, beat San Francisco, go to the Super Bowl. If that gets the All Pro, I can finally shut up all the Eagles fans that say. Jalen Hurts has an all-pro. Jalen Hurts has been to a Super Bowl. I don't care about that stuff on the surface. I really don't. The only reason why I want Dak to get all-pro and, and make a Super Bowl is so I can throw it right back at their face and say, nah, he's not. Dak's done the same thing. He had a better season. He had a better overall career. All this stuff. I just need it for my soul, Bryson. I really yeah. do, man. Um, uh, listen, I, I'm right there with you. I've, I've been a Dak supporter from the jump, man, and – it's again last year was tough, man. Like you're having to come in and and, and defend, even in these games we played well, but they lost. He threw like one pick in the in the second quarter, and they're holding that against him. And yeah. uh, again, to see him do what he's done is has been an absolute joy to watch. And uh, it would be I'm not even a Cowboys fan, but it would be unbelievable if he won the Super Bowl. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think if if Dak would have beat Miami, I think that it's a different discussion. I think he is the super. And the, the Buffalo MVP game hurt favorite. him too. The Buffalo game hurt him. Yeah, I think you're allowed. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Buffalo did hurt him for sure. There's no way that it didn't. But um, if he would have beat Detroit, beat Miami, um, and then won the division, that would have been 13-4 sure. and four, um, with much better stats than Lamar overall. I think that he would have he would have got the MVP. But, you know, that's that's you know in the past. So it is, it is what it is beside me. Um, I just needed it for my soul. But, you know, it's okay. He still has the all-pro on the table. Um, Bryson, you have a great show. Carving it up show on uh, YouTube. You you stream it. You stream it on Twitter. Um, is there anywhere else you stream it? No, just uh, my my personal uh, YouTube channel, Carving It Up Podcast, as well as the Grid Network. Uh, newest member, congratulations once again. But yep. the Grid Network's YouTube channel, we're on there as well. Uh, my personal Twitter account, uh, Carving It Up Pod. But uh, yeah, we're everywhere. Three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at six p.m. Eastern, three p.m. Pacific. We talk about all sports. Obviously, a lot of a lot of football right now as we're gearing up toward the playoffs. We talk NBA, yep. we talk baseball, college football. Uh, so like this is this is one of my favorite times of the year in terms of all the all the build up, all the hype, and all the predictions for for what's going to come over the next month and, and change so uh very very excited and yeah the show has the show's grown a lot and, and my, my goal before the year was to get to 1,000 subscribers before the year started uh, i think we're about around 650 so we still have a chance to to get to uh to get to 1,000 by the super bowl hopefully we can reach that milestone so for anyone that has not subscribed please hit that subscribe button uh and uh, subscribe to the grid network as well we're doing some some really special things uh, at the grid yeah no and i gotta put my two cents in if you guys watch ESPN or some other show, you listen to your radio stuff, listen to Bryson instead. He's a knowledgeable guy. He talks all sports, basketball for sure. He's a Golden State fan. He talks football, Steelers fan, but he knows about other teams. You can see it right now. He's talking about the Cowboys not missing a beat with somebody that only focuses on the Cowboys, really. So um, a big shout-out to him. If you haven't already, search him up. Do follow him. Subscribe to him because, like you said, three times a week, I tune in there so you could even hang out with me in the chat sometimes as well. Um, really knowledgeable guy, and thank you so much, man, for hopping on the show tonight. I'm going to have to hop on that 8 o'clock spot here soon Yes, and uh, debate some, get my debating – or yeah, just my my debate hat on and, and uh, chop it up with some other boys, man. It's been a fun night. Appreciate you getting on, man. Any last Appreciate words? Appreciate it. 
No, listen, appreciate you having me on. Again, very, very excited to have you as part of the grid. Uh, we're definitely going to have to get you on 8 o'clock spot. It's like a rite of passage for everybody uh, at the network. But have a blast uh, every Tuesday night, at an hour before we start tonight at 8 Eastern on, on Tuesdays. But uh, listen, I appreciate the shout-out. Your, your words genuinely mean a lot. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're, 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 you're crushing it right now. You're a great – and by the way, everybody, subscribe to this guy right here. He's one of the best in the business, one of the best Cowboys podcast. And uh, very, very, very excited to be teammates with you at the grid, man. Let's, <laughs> let's keep pushing and – Keep grinding out there. Appreciate it, man. I'm I'm just now starting to to, to tune into other people's shows on the grid that I haven't even explored. Uh, you know, prior Got great to. people there. So it, it's a lot of fun. Um, no show next week, guys. Uh, Tuesday, I'm having my second kid. Um, so you know, hey, two time dad, girl dad, like Dak Prescott here. Um, so yeah, no show next Tuesday. I might pick it up the next Tuesday. We'll see. That might be up in up in air as well, just because I might be going to a uh, KU basketball game. So uh, we'll see. But uh, as always, thank you guys for tuning into the show. Uh, thank you again, Bryson, for for hopping on and chopping it up with me. And we'll catch you later. Peace. Yeah. Forget what you got. None of them matters until you don't work from the top. I'm talking on stop squad. They've been down with me for years, and none of them asking for squad. Squad, fire out of the gutter, don't stutter. I'm taking my shots. Bop, block out the noise. Some others, my brothers and me, we going off. Pippity pop, talking that ish. I'ma empty my clip, my Google go pop. There goes another, I'm trembling for cover, then I'm taking off. We're not getting caught. Tired of violence, but you pushing buttons, and something is ticking me off. Stop, say it.